Welcome to the FUMS Now podcast show, where you'll gain information, inspiration, and motivation for living your best life with multiple sclerosis. Find us online at FUMSnow.com. I'm your host, Kathy Reagan Young. Hey, everybody. I am so psyched about today's interview. It's with Dr. Terry Walls, the Dr. Terry Walls. You know, the one from the YouTube video where she was in a reclined tilt wheelchair and then changed her diet and is now riding a bike? It's crazy. It's an amazing story and one that I've wanted to tell for a really long time. I just checked my Facebook messages to see the first time I wrote to ask her to be on my podcast. Y'all, it was 2011. (laughs) What? I hadn't even started FUMSnow.com yet. I told her that I was really inspired by her story, and I wanted to share it one day after I built my website and started my podcast. (laughs) Well, here it is, seven years later, and I'm finally sitting down with the Dr. Terry Walls. Because of all that time and buildup, I was super nervous to interview her, but she couldn't have been nicer. If you don't know who she is, let me give you a little introduction, and you'll learn a ton more about her in the interview, but check out the YouTube video that started it all, too. So, Dr. Walls is the Clinical Professor of Medicine at the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. She made big waves in the MS community by achieving remission of her multiple sclerosis with the Walls Protocol. So excited! Here we go! Dr. Walls, thank you so much for being here with us today, and and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so let's dive into it. Would you please just share from the beginning your MS story and sort of, you know, what were your symptoms? What was your diagnosis initially? Sure. So uh, I'm a conventional academic internal medicine doc. Uh, so here at the University of Iowa. And at that time that I was diagnosed, which is 2000, I definitely believed in the newest drugs, the latest technology, and I was going to treat my disease very, very aggressively. Mm-hmm. Now, if we go back to when I first began having symptoms, that would have been uh, more than 20 years earlier. Wow. Um, when I was in medical school, which is in 1980, I'd had episodes of pain involving uh, uh, my face. Mm-hmm. No clear explanation. It, it was apparent that if I was under more stress or sleep deprived, I was more likely to have uh, these twinges of pain. Mm-hmm. Then after I'd finished my residency uh, and I was in practice, I had an episode of dim vision in my left eye. Mm. Uh, saw a neurology, had a big workup, uh, saw the retinal specialist, had a workup. No clear explanation was found. Mm. My episodes of face pain continued to be uh, more troublesome. I, I would eventually get referred to the pain clinic and started on gabapentin and would go intermittently to the pain clinic for uh, injections. Mm-hmm. And, and then in, uh, in 2000, I, um, so about 20 years after my first set of symptoms, I developed some intermittent weakness of my left leg and uh, was seen again by neurology, did a big workup, and that's when uh, they found abnormal lesions in my spinal cord, Mm. abnormal spinal fluid, and said, you know, what happened uh, with that dim vision was probably optic neuritis, Mm -hmm. and this 
is all probably relapsing remitting MS. So that was in 2000, you said you got your That diagnosis. was in 2000. Okay. Okay. You know, and I'm a very, you know, academic-oriented person, so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go find the best MS center in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. People are doing the latest research, and that was the Cleveland Clinic. So I saw one of their best people uh, and started on disease-modifying drugs. In the next three years, I had just one episode of weakness involving my right arm. So if I'd been in a drug trial, Mm-hmm. That would have been considered a phenomenal success. Right. Yep. But the problem was I was still getting steadily weaker. And my physicians told me that uh, I needed to get a scooter. Then they changed their mind and said, well, no, you really ought to get a tilt recline wheelchair because I can see that your uh, torso muscles are getting weak and you have so much fatigue. Wow. So uh, yeah, that was a, a lot. Yeah. No kidding. Wow. And um, so I, I got the wheelchair. I took the chemotherapy, and I continued to decline. Uh, and then they said, well, we have this new drug, Tizabri, um, and, and which is very, very promising. Mm-hmm. I stirred on that drug, and I continued to decline. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Tizabri was pulled off the market, and uh, I was put on a new drug, Celsept. Uh, and that's one like, you know, it was apparent uh, that the newest drugs, the best technology was not going to stop my uh, decline into a bedridden. Yeah, it wasn't Possibly. addressing it. Mm-hmm, it, was, it wasn't stopping it. I was still declining. Um, and it, becoming bedridden certainly seemed uh, quite likely. I had to worry about, uh, was my thinking going to be effective? Was I going to have co- you know, cognitive problems? Sure. And it was also very clear that my pain control was getting steadily worse. Um, it was, uh, I needed higher and higher doses of gabapentin, more frequent trips to the uh, uh, pain center. And I was like, I, I did mm. not know um, what my future was going to hold. Right. It was, a, it was a very tough time. Pretty scary. Now, had they changed your diagnosis at that point? Had they changed it to? Yeah. So it was it was secondary progressive MS. When I when I hit the wheelchair in two thousand three, uh, they told me that I had progressive MS, mm-hmm. and that's why I should uh, start the Novantrone. Gotcha. Now, of course, um, Tizabri has, has not been approved for use uh, in the setting of progressive MS. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, physicians, we want to help people. Right. And, you know, I was steadily going downhill. So, of course, my doc said, let's try. Let's give it a try. Let's give it a try. And I was thrilled to give it a try. Sure. But I still went downhill. But it didn't work. Dang mm-hmm. on it. Okay. So, you're continuing to get worse regardless of whatever drugs they've tried with you. Yes. At what point did you connect with uh, diet. I mean, I, I, I'm this. I'm so intrigued by this yeah. because I can only imagine being in that position to have the clarity to think beyond what the Cleveland Clinic is telling you, and then to go so far out of the box as to consider diet. Well, Amazing to me. You know, what was interesting is my Cleveland Clinic doctors in 2002. So I'm still walking around. So I'm taking you back several years. I'm still walking around. It's clearly I'm having more difficulty. 
They mentioned the work of Ashton Embry and Lawrence uh, Cordain, which introduced me to the paleo diet. Oh, okay. Now, at that time, I'd been a vegetarian for 20 years. Oh, so you were already... That, well? that is... Oh, wow. Now that brings up all kinds of new questions. All sorts of interesting <laughs> questions. And I'd been sort of a rebellious uh, child. I grew up on a farm. And uh, as a young person, I decided to become a, a vegetarian. My parents were convinced I was ruining my health, <laughs> which, of course, just made me more recalcitrant sure. as a young person. Sure. And so, I, you know... No, I'm not going to eat meat. Right. And um, it was a very, very big decision to go back to eating meat. And I had to sort of ease back into it because it, wow. uh, it was not easy for me to do. Mm -hmm. A lot of prayer, a lot of meditation, a lot of soups and broths, and you know, finally got uh, right. so I could tolerate the meat. Uh, and that was a several-month uh, procedure. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I'd taken out all grain, all legumes, all dairy which had been a, a huge part of my diet. Mm -hmm. So uh, this was a very, very big change. So, but what, okay. So you were already a vegetarian. You had tried all these drugs. They weren't working. How did you, how did you make well, that connection that, well, maybe I'll take out legumes and, you know, and dairy it, and we'll try that. It was my Cleveland clinic neurologist who said, look at uh, uh, these two scientists um, I read uh, Cordain's work, mm -hmm. um, read all the scientific papers he'd put together on his website, uh, and decided, that, okay, there's a scientific rationale, and I made the change. Mm -hmm. And part of it was like, I'm doing something. Right. You know, that yeah. patient activation. Okay, exactly. I'm doing something. You've got some semblance of control. There's something you can do. Something I could do, and nobody knew how long it would take. Like, okay. Right. You know, my brain's been getting wrecked for a long time, clearly at least 20 years. So it, this, it could take years yeah. to have an impact, hmm. but I'm doing something. Right. Uh, well, and did it? Did it take years or were they well, so, pretty quick? No. No. You know, and I love the paleo diet. Yeah. But I did not recover from the paleo diet. Okay. And I, I have to you know, make that very clear. And then... Um, you know, I, I, I get converted to secondary progressive. I take uh, metazantron. I take tizabri. Uh, my pain is getting to be a bigger problem. And I, you know, I still have young kids. So I'm like, I have to do everything that I can sure. so I can continue to work for as long as I will be able to work, which mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not sure how much longer that will be. So I add in searches on using PubMed.gov. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking for the animal models, animal studies related to MS. And at first I'm looking for uh, drug development studies. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I'm doing in 2004. Mm -hmm. And finally at the end of 2004, I go like, well, hell, that's stupid. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's not I, working. I, I can't get to these drugs. They're still in development. It'll be right. years before they're going to be available in human trials. So, sure. And that's like, well, maybe I should look for off-label use of drugs. Like, well, that was uh, hard to search for. Mm. Um, and then, uh, so I was looking at uh, clinicaltrials.gov um, for off-use labels of drugs. The, uh, and that really wasn't that uh, fruitful. Mm -hmm. But then I had 
an aha moment, like, well, maybe I should look for vitamins and supplements. And like, there was still nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, okay, there are other diseases with shrinking brains mm-hmm. uh, because that's a big part of progressive MS is your, your uh, brain is dying off at a faster rate than right. uh, age match controls. So now I start searching for neuroprotection and vitamins uh, and supplements mm-hmm. and neurodegeneration and vitamins and supplements. So now I come back with some interesting studies uh, in Parkinson's, Huntington's disease, uh, ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, and of course, Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. I, and as I'm reading through these mouse studies, uh, it, it seems that mitochondria in the early death of mitochondria are the driver of this brain shrinkage problem mm. across all these disease states. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm a simplistic thinker. <laughs> so I thought, well, that must be also happening in MS. Mm-hmm. Common thread. Nobody, so then I'm searching mitochondria and MS. No one's talking about it. So they're like, okay, so what? I think that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I'm going to zero in on helping out my mitochondria. Mm-hmm. So I would, over the years, begin adding vitamins and supplements that were targeting mitochondrial function. And, um, you know, I had a little cocktail going on uh, that I'd been using, oh, I don't know, maybe six, seven months. And then I was sort of cranky and I thought, ah, <laughs> I'm just wasting my money. Mm-hmm. So I quit. Mm. And I couldn't get out of bed. Ugh. So it was working, but you didn't know it until you quit. Until I quit. Mm. And But then, you know, I, fortunately, Jackie came in you know, uh, a couple of days later and said, honey, I think you got to take these again. Yeah. So I, I took them and I could get them to go to work the next day. I thought, mm. Hello. <laughs> Life oh my goodness. moment. <laughs> so two weeks, I got to try this again. Yeah. So I stopped everything. Oh and again, gosh. I was just completely exhausted, could not function. And I, and I only waited a day. And then I like, okay, I'll, I'll get back on these. Mm-hmm. So I decided that, these, that this mitochondria focus was clearly doing something. Uh, it maybe wasn't enough to recover me, but it was slowing, that, mm-hmm. slowing down the damage and the decline. Right. So I was incredibly something. excited. Yes. I'm excited, like, okay, my neurologist is not telling me this stuff. My primary care doc is not telling me this stuff. But I can find out important things on my own. Mm-hmm. Being and your own guinea pig. Being my own guinea pig mm-hmm. and being willing to take responsibility for doing the searching. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, So that got me fired up about reading PubMed.gov and every day. I would um, go to PubMed, put in a search, read, you know, uh, a new paper that I'm finding. I, and, you know, I would slowly tinker with my vitamin and supplement regimen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, then by the, by the su- summer of 2007, my, I, my disease progressed enough that I cannot sit up in a regular chair anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, my morning workout, and I had been an athlete before be, being a doc, so I was very attuned that exercise would be critical to 
functioning as long as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had worked out every day, but of course they'd gotten smaller and smaller and smaller as I'd gotten sure. weaker and weaker and weaker. I'd put in an endless pool uh, in uh, a little addition in our house. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was no longer coordinated enough to swim. Um, so I had a, uh, a, about a 10-minute uh, pool exercise program that I had done. Mm-hmm. If I did 12 minutes, I could not function. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to spend uh, about 24 hours flat on my back, exhausted. Wow. But I could do 10 minutes. So a little timer up and 10, you know, yeah. 10 minutes is what I did. Um, and I, I was beginning to have problems, uh, with cognition. I'd lost my, uh, car keys, uh, uh, those expensive ones. So it's about $250 to keep replacing those. Yeah, sure. I, so I'd done that three times, uh, over the last three months. Mm-hmm. I had lost my smartphone also three times over the last three months. Mm. Uh, so I was telling, you know, brain fog was getting to be a problem. My, Chief of Staff had uh, called me in, told me he was reassigning me to uh, the traumatic brain injury clinic effective January 1st, uh, and there'd be no residents, so I'd be seeing patients directly. And I, I, I knew this was a way of his saying, you know what, we are done redesigning your job. Mm. No more accommodations. No. Yeah, that, they had reached their limit, uh, and... Uh, Jackie said, like, you know, there's no way you can do that job. I said, well, uh, we'll try. And either I can or I won't be able to, in which case then I'll have to apply for medical disability. Oh, gosh. I I was depressed. That was very tough. But it's like, you know, this is is where it's at. Right. Wow. That was July. You didn't accept that. Well, no, I I knew that, that 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 was my future. But then in August, I got to, um, when I was reviewing a research uh, protocol for the, insti- the IRB, the Institutional Review Board that reviews research, that I'd been a member of, you know, for the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, a, fellow, a physical therapist who studies electrical stimulation of muscles mm-hmm. for people who had traumatic spinal cord injury. And they wanted to extend the study because the patients were doing so well. So I thought, damn, that is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I did a, a quick search to see, has anyone done it for MS? And no one had. Uh, they had done it for uh, stroke with very nice results, cerebral palsy with nice results, and, of course, uh, many studies for um, orthopedic injuries for athletes. Mm-hmm. And there were 200 papers that I had to read. Oh, gosh. You know, okay. but it was manageable. Okay. With cog fog, but okay, if you say it's it, it, was, it was hard, you know. I bet. I bet. It was hard. Well, a lot of the stuff I could just go through the abstract, and it's like, okay. Yeah. That, and then there were uh, papers that I wanted to read the full paper. Mm-hmm. So I, I got my physical therapist, and I talked about it, and he gave me a test session. It hurt like hell. But, you know, <laughs> I felt great afterwards. Afterward. Hmm. And so uh, for a couple of weeks, I did these uh, in, in his clinic and tolerated it. Then he got me a home device, and I started on that. And so that, was, uh, that all was started as of September. And I got my home device uh, as of November. Now, now, at the same time, you know, uh, in July, August, uh, I just, you know, of course, been told I was going to be going to the brain injury. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and again, it was shortly after that, about the same time that I'd uh, seen the electrical stimulation uh, protocol. I saw, uh, found the Institute for Functional Medicine on uh, an internet search, mm-hmm. and they had a course on neuroprotection. Um, and, you know, good faculty from the Harvard Medical School, uh, and so I ordered it. Mm-hmm. And it was 40 hours of lectures, uh, a big binder. Wow. Uh, so I went through that and had uh, a little, a few more uh, supplements I could add to my mitochondrial support. Mm-hmm. And I love that they were also talking about mitochondria in the brain and how critical that was. Uh, and so I added those supplements. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing e-stim, and that, I've got that stuff going uh, as of, you know, October. And then I have another really big aha moment. And that is like, you know, food has so many more bioactive compounds mm. than the vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that we list or study. Mm-hmm. So what if I take my list of supplements that I'm taking and get the foods that are good sources for those particular nutrients mm-hmm. and it'd probably get a lot of other nutrients that are really important for my brain as well get more good stuff that that food might be even better than the supplements right so mm-hmm. um you know I, I went to talk to my registered dietitian friends i said I, you know uh can't help you uh, <laughs> uh talked to my primary care neurologist nope they couldn't help me gosh went to the library I didn't find the right person, so I, you know, I wasn't getting any help. But fortunately, I found the Linus Pauling Institute on Micronutrients mm. and now had a list of here are the foods that I need to be eating to get the nutrients that I was most keen on. Excellent. And so I decided, like, okay, I'm going to stay paleo because mm-hmm. I, I think that made sense. But now I've, I structured my paleo in a very specific way around my brain and my mitochondria. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. <laughs> and the results were? Stunning. Stunning. It was just stunning. Yeah. So, so to set the stage for your listeners, in 2007, I, and you have this photo from 2007, I'm in my tilt recline wheelchair, looks sort of gray and ashen. I can't sit up. I can walk short distances using two walking sticks. By short, I mean like 10 yards. Um, I can drive 10 minutes to work, but that's getting difficult. I'm having brain fog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am, free, I, I, I am very high dose on gabapentin because of my uh, MS neuropathic pain mm-hmm. with frequent visits to the pain clinic. That's RAM October 2007. Mm-hmm. In November and December, I'm figuring out these foods I should be emphasizing. So December 26th, my wife and I go to our local co-op and we're shopping. Actually, she she went. I just gave her the list. (laughs) Uh, And so I started eating this very intentional way. Mm -hmm. In uh, the middle of January. I uh, go to the traumatic brain injury clinic. And so for the first week, I just watch what's going on. So that doesn't really count. So it's the third week of January. So it's a month of eating this new way. Mm -hmm. And now I'm seeing patients directly. I'm getting up, standing up, examining them, sitting back down. 
Um, and, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Seeing it's a like, difference. Mm-hmm. I'm coming, coming home. Yeah. After a week of doing that, they're like, Jackie, you know, I just did my first week of the trank brain injury clinic. And it seems to be okay. So I could actually do this job. Right. At the end of three months, I, 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 I mean, here's a day I remember so clearly. So three months of, of my structured paleo diet, I'm still having some targeted vitamins and supplements. Mm-hmm. I have a letter to mail. And so the, uh, the internal post office, you know, it's probably about 200 yards away. Mm-hmm. And I decide to walk there. Mm. So I'm walking down the hall with my letter in my hand. I have one of my walking sticks with me. Mm-hmm. And my colleagues are like, oh, my God, Dr. Walls, you're walking. <laughs> Wow, that must have been quite, quite the vision to see you walking like, down oh, the hall. <laughs> oh my God! You know, it, right? It was two thousand three when people say, "Like, oh my God, Dr. Walls, you're in a wheelchair. What happened?" Mm-hmm. So uh, that was wow. Uh, really Proof positive. Quite, quite remarkable. Uh, so that's at three months. I'm walking with a oh cane gosh. at the hospital. And after that day, I just started walking, and I didn't really uh, use my wheelchair or scooter. Um, wow. And then uh, in March, so it's about six months into this, I, I'm not using the walking stick anymore, and I'm walking around the the VA hospital. I have a uh, meeting with my internal medicine chief over at the university, because I always have dual appointments between the VA and the university. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know, you, you don't want to be late to the internal medicine chief. He's a very big deal. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll leave early, and I uh, was going to take my scooter over. But mind you, I hadn't been, hadn't been in for quite a while because mm-hmm. I'd been walking around. Right. <clears throat> the damn thing dies going up the hill. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. So I, I disengage the flywheel, and I push it up the hill. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, I, and I get by the old entrance, uh, and one of the staff members uh, offers to call the patient mobile for me. And it's okay. How long would I have to wait? The, well, the, about twenty minutes. I thought, oh my god, no, I, I can't be late. But you're really late. Um, so I said, well, I'll just leave my scooter here, and so then I continued uh, to walk uh, to the internal medicine uh, office. And of course, by then wow. I really am late. And the secretary shoes me in and shoes me out. And <laughs> I apologize to my chief of medicine. Oh, gosh. And explain that my scooter died on the way over. She goes, oh, oh, so you're, you had to wait for the patient mobile. I said, well, no, sir. Actually, I decided I'd just go ahead. I finished pushing it up the hill, and then I walked over. Oh, my gosh. And of course, you know, he hadn't seen me in nine months. So last time he saw me, I really, you know, looked pretty bad. Right. Wow, and, and of course now I, I'm like actually looking, you know, markedly better. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up talking about my experimentation, uh, the supplements, uh, electrical stimulation, uh, the dietary changes, and I uh, says, "This is so profound. This is so important." Um, it gives me the job of getting a case report written up. 
mm-hmm. um, which is pretty unusual getting a case report on yourself. Yeah, right. And, and he sort of gave me some guidance on, on uh, how to approach that. So, in fact, uh, I got that done. And once we had that published, he had called me back and said, okay, now I need you to um, write up a research protocol to test this in terms of a safety and feasibility study. And wow. so uh, we would do that. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow. This is quite the story. <laughs> it is quite a personal journey. And so, you know, that also began because uh, Dr. Rothman uh, saw the transformation, saw how remarkable it was uh, what I was doing and uh, coached me through, you know, you do the case study, the case series, then a little safety feasibility trial, uh, and then uh, we'll get you funding for uh, some pilot studies and then a, a major study. So we, we had this all mapped out Wow! Uh, in that first meeting, like, well, okay, I guess. I had a very different research program, but of course, life changed. Yeah, life did change. And thank goodness for the rest of your community that it did. And thank goodness that he saw that and, mm-hmm. and, and wanted to help direct that. And, and you all got started then to, ben- to the benefit of the entire MS community. You know, correct. And Dr. Rothman was really critical. Um, so uh, along the way, he helped me find uh, mentors, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Linda Snetzler, uh, the dietitian who's done dietary studies uh, with international recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's been uh, a big mentor on how to design uh, dietary nutrition studies, mm-hmm. intervention studies. Uh, Warren Darling, who's the exercise physiologist, uh, and Rich Shields, who's the Easton kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So all of these senior mentors uh, helped me design the clinical study, be sure we had the right measures, uh, and have been with me, you know, um, since 2009. Well, thank goodness for all of you. <laughs> yes, yes. It really is a, a most remarkable um, journey. Yeah. It would not have happened without, um, you know, without Paul Rothman, who fortunately for me, uh, he went from internal medicine chief to dean of the medical school. Mm. Uh, and uh, he really helped uh make sure that I had the right people on my team so we could get through the IRB mm-hmm. uh, and then gave me some guidance to get the right people to help me um, craft the grant proposals uh, that would ultimately get funded. Mm-hmm. So, a very um, key supporter. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm grateful to every single one of them. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> and to you for being willing to be the guinea pig for all of this. And I'm so glad that you saw personally, the kind of um, quick recovery that you did so it could keep you on this path? You know, I'm, I'm so blessed. Um, yeah, blessed because I had to get this ill mm-hmm. to uh, change my understanding of the world, mm-hmm. uh, my understanding of what makes disease and health. Right. Um, it, it all had to happen exactly the way it did. Mm-hmm. It all lined up well. I'm sorry that you had to go through what you had to go through, but I'm grateful that you shared your journey with all of us because it's benefiting us all. So let me ask you, I I know that you're involved now. Well, let me back up. In 2016 now, uh, the University of Iowa, where you work, received a million-dollar research grant from um, the National MS Society for the study of your protocol versus 
the Swank diet, yes. which for those folks who may not be familiar, that was for years sort of the gold standard for MS diets. And this, this um, funding was to compare the ability of each to address the common, very common symptom of fatigue in yeah. MS. Is that correct? Absolutely. You know, I, okay. I wrote that grant. I had been working back and forth with the MS Society. They uh, had a lot of internal constituents who wanted to see them compare the two diets. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, I'd had conversations with them. because They've never done a dietary intervention study. Uh, um, they've done a lot of support, a lot of uh, drug development work. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, so this was very new. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'd given them some guidance as to how to f uh, phrase the request for studies mm -hmm. and how to get uh, a review panel uh, together that could review dietary studies. Mm -hmm. It took them about a year to get the uh, lay the groundwork to put the call out for the uh, that kind of research question. Mm -hmm. And you know, it, really, it made sense that they would fund our research lab. Because uh, there are only a few people in the country that are, have done any kind of dietary intervention studies, mm. and we're the only one that involves dietary researchers and registered dietitians uh, in the study design, in the implementation, follow-up, and monitoring of the diet. Really? That seems so odd to me. <laughs> well, it, it's um, uh, dietary studies are complex. Uh, and if you're doing a simply an observation study, mm -hmm. uh, it's less complex. If you're doing an intervention study, you have to train people who are randomized to what, uh, either diet mm -hmm. to give up foods that they're familiar with, they like, they love, they may be addicted to, that are part of their family traditions, their right. cultural traditions. You're going to convince them to give up part of their identity and take on this new food that tastes unfamiliar, that might be, taste terrible, right? that are not part of their culinary traditions, that will create hardship for their family as they try to socialize in the world. Mm -hmm. So you're, it's a phenomenally large ask. It is. And then you need to have some way of measuring what they're eating beforehand <laughs> and what they're eating now, and then at, can they sustain this new Right, food? right. I tell you, I've looked at some of the dietary research that is out there for MS. It 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 doesn't address those questions mm. because it's not been most of it's not been designed by people who are used to doing nutrition based research. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's it's very different than drug based research. It's just mm -hmm. still phenomenally different. Yeah, and fortunately for me, Paul Rothman saw to it that I got. Um, mentors here at the university who do those things. That's and those And those mentors were thrilled to work with a physician who fundamentally understood that food is very different than supplements mm -hmm. and food is so, so powerful. So yeah. th this has been just a uh, wonderful relationship for me to uh, get to work with uh, um, these dietitians. Mm-hmm. Um, it also meant, really, in terms of um, the research that's out there, our, our lab is uniquely well-qualified to investigate this question. Sounds like it. Yeah. So 
Would you mind giving us a little background on the Swank diet? Oh, yeah. So Swank's brilliant guy. He's a neurologist uh, who, uh, during World War II, made the observation that the rates of neuro problems like uh, Alzheimer's and multiple sclerosis declined during World War II. Hmm. And at that same time, there was a decline in the intake of butter and eggs. Um, and, you know, of course, the heart people had said that's why there was less stroke, less heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so Swank said, yeah, that, maybe that's why there's less um, neurodegeneration as well. Mm-hmm. So he advocated for a very, very low saturated fat diet. Uh, so no chicken skin, uh, no red meat, uh, uh, white meat only, mm-hmm. uh, fish. Uh, it gave them some uh, cod liver oil as well, which gave people omega-3 fats and some vitamin A and vitamin D. Mm-hmm. And, what he obser- and he had 144 patients that he observed over 50 years or until they died. Wow. And he periodically put these uh, uh, papers out reporting on this case series. Mm-hmm. I, and what, he, what you could tell us, some people could do it and some people couldn't do it. The people mm-hmm. whose diet was less than 15 grams of fat were more likely to still be walking. Hmm. If you uh, had more than uh, 20 grams of fat, you're much more likely to get uh, mobility problems and die of complications from your MS. Interesting. His papers never explained um, how they measured what amount of what the people's diets were. So mm-hmm. that's, that's one flaw in the study that that's a little difficult to get around. Mm-hmm. Another flaw in the study is case series, while they're really, really powerful, are not as powerful as a randomized control trial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really hard to get people to do dietary interventions for 50 years. And one of them gets yeah. the intervention, the other one just eats whatever. Because right. if you're committed to doing a dietary intervention, by God, mm-hmm. you want to be doing something. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard to keep people in the control group. Sure. That makes sense. So how does your diet or protocol different from, excuse me, differ from the Swank diet? So Swank really focused on fats. He was focused mm-hmm. uh, just on the fats. He didn't um, really um, focus this on the micronutrient content mm-hmm. uh, of what brains needed. Mm-hmm. Mine is really focused on the, what's the micronutrient content of what brains need. Needs so, um, it, there's a very specific uh, set of foods I want you to eat. So it's more uh, entire eating plan based. Mm-hmm. There is more fat, uh, more saturated fat mm-hmm. in my diet. Um, so we count uh, for swank. Uh, are you less than the 15 grams of saturated fat? Uh, for me, we count. Are you avoiding the excluded food groups, uh, which are grain and dairy, uh, eggs? And are you eating uh, all these vegetable groups that mm-hmm. we're asking you to eat? Mm-hmm. Uh, Swank is, uh, did we keep you on the low end of the saturated fat? And did you eat more grain groups, uh, which help you stay low saturated fat? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, and, there's, and, I, and certainly... 
and very upfront with our study participants that Swank does have some compelling research mm-hmm. about the benefit of his diet in this 50-year case series study. So it's not that we expect neither group to improve. Sure. Both will improve. Um, I think my group will improve more, but that's mm-hmm. really, it's not so clear. Mm-hmm. That's also why we have an observation period. Mm-hmm. So we can see, have to see people eat their usual diet during the observation period, uh, measure what's happening to them during that period, train them on their uh, diet to which they end up being assigned once they're randomized, and then measure them again uh, in 12 weeks mm-hmm. so that everyone is their own control. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, 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 it'll be, and then we'll compare the two diets. And it may be that both diets are, are very effective, and so people can choose uh, which one, or we may find that one diet is somewhat more effective or perhaps dramatically more effective. Mm-hmm. Time will tell. More effective specifically in fatigue. Reducing fatigue, because fatigue mm-hmm. is our primary measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are measuring a, a whole bunch of things in terms of quality of life, uh, vision. We're going to be measuring uh, uh, poop and see what happens to your microbiome. And then we have a, a whole slew of blood biomarkers as well. Okay. Well, certainly I think everybody listening is leaned in closer when we said fatigue because I don't, I don't know of any MSers that have uh, missed out on that gift of MS. <laughs> and we all need help with our fatigue. That can be so debilitating. Yeah. You know, and as we've uh, studied this and we're writing about it, it's what's uh, very interesting. There's, there's no consistent blood biomarker for who's going to be fatigued and who is hmm. not. Hmm. You think it has to do with what's going on in the brain. And likely there are uh, multiple pathways that cause the fatigue. Hmm. Uh, and it's also why I think a dietary approach will probably be much more effective than a supplement-based approach. Uh-huh. There's been no success at getting a drug approved for fatigue. Um, it just it does not have that large of an effect. Right. In our uh, clinical trials that we've done, you know, my first trial and our two follow-up um, uh, pilot studies, uh, we've, we've had a very nice impact on fatigue. Mm. And we can see that quite quickly within a, a 12-week t- uh, time frame, okay. which is why uh, we were able to propose this shorter study. Right. Uh, how many people are participating in this particular research you're doing now? Uh, well, we're, we, the, the plan is to get 100 people enrolled. Uh, we want to get at least uh, 70 through uh, to the 12-week intervention. And mm-hmm. we know that there'll be some who drop out for a variety of reasons. Sure, sure. So have the first wave of volunteers completed the study yet? Well, we've, we have, uh, I believe we've consented uh, 52 people so far. Okay. Um, and I know my, my team is preparing what we call a data safety monitoring board report. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, it will go to them uh, today. Oh, and so uh, the MS societies uh, will have a report that tells them how many people have completed uh, the study to date. And uh, I'm not going to say because I, I don't want to misquote my report. But okay, sure. We, we've had a number of folks uh, obviously complete the study, and that's going well. Okay, great. Um, so our enrollment's going well. We certainly 
if, the, if we have the opportunity to have people contact us, uh, the MS diet study at healthcare.uiowa.edu mm-hmm. okay. uh, would be how you'd reach out. And we're, we'll be recruiting all the way through tw- uh, 2018 uh, into early 2019. Uh, but by uh, this time in 2019, um, I expect that we will have met our target of getting 100 people in. Excellent. Um, now, I did read that the results and the conclusion from that study probably won't, excuse me, won't be available until probably 2020 or so. So, but are, are you current, have you seen any trends or anything um, that has surprised you that you can share with us? Well, what I can tell you is um, we are, uh, well, my students, some of our students working in the study will have research posters that uh, we'll work on and will uh, get presented in April. Uh, and they'll probably be small enough numbers that what really is going to happen in that first presentation is saying, here's what we're doing. It's all going well. Uh, and the end is too small yet to make definitive statements. Gotcha. Now, when my students do their posters for next spring, we'll have another interim analysis. Mm-hmm. And we'll probably be able to uh, have some interesting observations at that time. Share more then. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for that then. Yeah, it'll be exciting. Uh, and, you know, likewise, uh, as my students will be uh, having some interesting presentations, I would anticipate uh, for the 2019 um, neurology uh, conferences and the international MS, MS conferences, we will likely be submitting our interim analysis reports there and presenting our data okay. at those. Excellent. So, you know, that'll, that'll be spring of uh, 2019. So we'll, we'll get a glimpse. It, it, it won't be all of our data, and so it may or may not be statistically significant by then. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I will say, when we did our very first study of 20, um, we did not anticipate that we would have statistical significance. We just wanted to have a trend in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, a p-value of less than 0.0008. So uh, it was a much, and it was a much, much larger effect size mm. than we had anticipated as well. So Okay, good. Going in the right so direction. we'll see. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, it'll be fun to report. Um, and if for some reason we, we don't have quite enough uh, to have uh, statistical significance, um, I'm optimistic that we will f- figure out a way to continue recruiting so we can, you know, get get the numbers that we'll need to be able to draw conclusions. Right. Do you want to give us that contact uh, again? Oh, yeah. So MS diet study at healthcare.uiowa.edu. Perfect. And I will, I will send you that link uh, as well. I'll also send you the link that people could, because you'll probably have show notes. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I'll also send you the link where people could go uh, to learn more about the study and complete a screening document to see if uh, they qualify. Excellent. Perfect. Uh, so, yeah, they'll Excellent. be great. And we really, we really do want to have more people uh, signing up 
uh, because um, you know we got to get those hundred folks in, and we're offering two treatment. You know, in the end, you get randomized to one of these uh, two treatment arms, both of which have some very positive, favorable uh, pilot data, and you get to have our study team coach you on how to. Give up some foods you love. Mm. Learn foods that may be unfamiliar, but mm-hmm. help you and your family be very successful. Mm-hmm. Whichever diet you get assigned to. Yeah, so you're not out there on your own. Somebody's helping you. They're helping you, and we're not giving you stuff that that's going to be bad for MS. Right. Either either diet you're on. Uh, there's some great uh, science behind why that diet will be good for you. Excellent. So living with chronic illnesses can be challenging enough, but then there's the mental component of changing your diet, which can be even more of a struggle. You alluded to that earlier. So you need buy-in and it can get tough. I mean, that's a big change for most people and change can be incredibly difficult. And I'm going to make a little confession here. So in the last week leading up to this interview, I made a conscious effort, uh, to eat more veggies because I know you advocate for nine cups of veggies a day, um, heavy in color and leafy greens. And I've, I've made such a concerted effort and it's so hard for me. And I'm embarrassed to say that because I thought I ate pretty well. I'm pretty mindful, but that was really a big change for me. So I'm wondering about people who, you know, as you said earlier, it's it could be tough for them, and you got to get some buy-in, and there can be, um, you know, some family maybe that aren't going to buy into this and that sort of thing. So, if somebody wants to just make some changes, they're not really ready to commit to the entire approach. Is there a way to sort of dip your toes in this water? Do you have, I don't know, some advice sure. that would get them about started? Maybe are there certain foods that you would tell them to definitely eliminate, or certain foods you would definitely include? more of? You know, I'd say that the uh, very first thing I'd have them do is uh, pick up my book and read my book or um, join me on Facebook um, uh, or my Instagram or my Twitter account. And so, you could, so you could begin. Uh, and I really like the Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, doc, which is at, at Dr. Terry Walls. Um, the, the reason I think that could be so helpful is you want to see uh, photos of what I'm eating I hear the short little videos, be inspired. Because in order to make these changes, you have to be willing. In order to even consider the possibility of doing these changes, um, somehow your heart has to be touched. And you have to think like, well, this might be doable. Right. So once we've done those things in my clinics, um, and this is at, at the VA when I was taking care of people who, who mostly were s- severely disabled, um, living on disability. Money is very, very tight. Mm-hmm. I and we had present to them the two options. One is that they're going to go gluten free, dairy free, mm-hmm. and stress vegetables in their diet. Mm-hmm. And if they were willing to do that, they could come th- uh, through a group class and get, you know, monthly support uh, with us. If that felt like too much, they couldn't make that commitment. Then the individual would work individually with their dietitians 
to just improve the quality of their diet, mm -hmm. which meant getting more vegetables in mm -hmm. and getting rid of the sugar. Mm. That's the key. Get rid it's, of that. Mm -hmm. Got to get rid of the sugar, uh, add more vegetables, uh, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free uh, for some people is just phenomenally uh, important. Mm -hmm. And of course, all this depends on, on your genetic uh, vulnerability, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, it's going to be what you and your heart are willing to do. Mm -hmm. so, if, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, and if, you, if this is not, and what I tell folks, if, this, if you're not ready, if this isn't the time, this mm -hmm. isn't the time. Sure. Come back when you are. And so if they did make these changes, like going gluten-free or dairy-free and adding more veggies, how quickly would you say typically they'll start noticing uh, some difference, whether it's just feeling better? Or yeah. So the, the symptoms that respond most quickly, and this is whether you have MS, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, um, traumatic brain injury, diabetes, obesity, chronic pain. So it's across many different disease states. In the first 90 days, people often observe, uh, particularly if you're overweight, weight loss without being hungry. Mm. Increased energy mm. and less fatigue. Well, that speaks volumes. That would make you want to continue. That speaks volumes. And then uh, if pain is an issue, uh, pain is often uh, less as well. Oh, nice. Uh, blood pressures tend to come down. Uh, blood sugars tend to come down. And uh, the other thing that uh, I laugh about, uh, for the guy, something's going up that hasn't been going up in a long time. Ta-da. Well, that might keep him on this diet. <laughs> If it's, nothing else. It's, it's certainly uh, for the <laughs> young men. And yeah. in my clinics, I had many, many young men that had erectile dysfunction. You know, men in their 20s. Gosh. Men in their 20s. Like, that is such an, an indicator to me that there's something very wrong in our environment. Right. Right. Uh, so, the, so these guys uh, would, their hormonal issues would improve. Uh, erectile dysfunction uh, would become less of a problem. For uh, a lot of women with severe uh, menstrual pain, uh, and, and so uh, a lot of signs suggesting estrogen problem, uh, there'd be much less um, uh, dysmenorrhea or decreased problems with their periods and period pain as well. Um, uh, All also, in 90 days. Correct. Typically. It's not that things are, are perfect, right. but people can feel like, they feel a difference. Things are improving. Mm -hmm. And in our research, you know, um, in our first study, we'd followed people for three years. And I'm able to show, you know, this dramatic reduction in the excluded foods, mm -hmm. uh, the intake of vegetables at baseline was one and a half cups, uh, one and a half servings a day. Mm -hmm. And we got up to eight servings a day. Mm. Kept that going uh, for all three years. Mm -hmm. My public health folks would say, any time they got the vegetable intake to be increased by one serving a day at the end of 12 months was a remarkably successful intervention. Mm. Now, we'd gone from one and a half servings to eight. Yeah. Uh, and my public health folks would say, and, and I think this is true, 
the only way that that would ever happen and be sustained is because you achieved symptom reduction. Right. Yeah. Uh, because we'll all go back to the familiar foods. Yeah. Sure. But if we figure out when we try to have those familiar foods, we feel worse. Yeah. Like Apparently, you, like feeling you, worse was enough of a deterrent that we stayed away from those familiar foods and stayed with the steady diet. Sure. And we saw that uh, uh, quite remarkably uh, through all of our pilot studies. Sure. Feeling good is quite the motivator. It's quite the motivator. And, that, and that should be, if you, um, so for me, Remember, I said that pain uh, was a big problem and was getting steadily worse. Right. Now I treasure that pain mm. because that is my barometer that something is not right in my environment. Sure. Hmm. So whenever I, I feel my, my, my pain, face pain come back, I have to sit back and say, okay, what happened to my environment? What, right. What do I need to tweak? What, you know, did I get gluten somehow right i gotta read the labels for everything that i buy again so i yeah i, I am very grateful now that i have this this great barometer like mm -hmm. it'll let you know it'll let me know i just want to mention you mentioned earlier um that you would suggest people get your book to start out with and find the inspiration in that now you've written several so are you referring oh, yeah, to yeah. the walls protocol a radical new way to treat all chronic autoimmune conditions using paleo principles yes okay fact, <laughs> that is just a fabulous book uh, my very first book uh mighty my mitochondria which is a lovely book is mm. out of print so it, you got to get the walls protocol and i've got all, all the key information in there as well excellent um so getting all these veggies in, as I said, was a challenge for me too. And one of my questions personally was, can, can you juice? Can you put them into smoothies well, or do you, is, you know, mastication so, necessary? So mastication can be very helpful, uh, <laughs> but putting them in like a Vitamix and blending them all up yeah. where you keep the fiber okay. is that's good. Okay. When you juice and you take away the fiber, um, uh, that's not as good. Not so much. Got it. And my preference is, you know, you may be very petite. I'm a tall lady. I'm, you know, six foot tall. Mm -hmm. My clinics were mostly men. And so when I made the nine cup rule, mm -hmm. it was for tall people, tall women and, mm -hmm. and men. And I, I advise people to um, eat according to appetite in your size. Mm -hmm. So if you're, when we had folks who were four foot 10 in our study, and they're like, you know, nine cups, you're not going to be able to do. You're too small. So just do proportionately the green sulfur color. Mm -hmm. uh, have six to 12 ounces of meat. So that's two palm size uh, amounts of meat. Mm -hmm. And uh, eat vegetables according to your appetite. Okay. That's very helpful. Yeah. Nine was a lot, I can tell you that. But I tried. Yeah, I tried. yeah no, good for I you. I've done so much better. I really, I've done so much better. And I noticed immediately... Uh, my energy level was increased, and um, and P.S. My time in the bathroom was decreased. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's <laughs> yeah, it is very helpful that way. Everything's what, working. <laughs> what all all those vegetables do is it feeds the microbiome, mm -hmm. and, uh, and you have a much healthier mix of uh, bacteria and microbes in your gut. Yeah, yeah. So, can you? What are some of your favorite dishes on your protein? Well. Uh, so last night, 
um, we had a uh, pork tenderloin, and uh, I had uh, put the food processor, uh, and I used that to slice uh, Brussels sprouts very thinly. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a, a nice bunch of Brussels sprouts, and then uh, we had uh, a, a uh, chopped apples on top of that, mm-hmm. and then I had a cup of cranberries on top of all of that. Wow. And I had rolled the um, uh, pork tenderloin in thyme. Nice. And I put the put the pork tenderloin on top of the vegetables uh, and uh, apples and cranberries, mm-hmm. and uh, put it uh, you know a lid on it. Put it all in the oven for thirty minutes. I took the lid off uh, for the last fifteen. And let me tell you, that was delicious. Yeah, my mouth's watering now. Thank you very much. And so, I make I make something very similar, but instead of the thyme, I, I prefer rosemary, which is oh, a, yeah, rosemary a good herb too, right? Yep, yeah, rosemary yeah. very good. Oregano's good. Yeah. So um, in in the herbs that we use, these are the original superfoods. Mm-hmm. They're all really good for us. So uh, and encourage people to explore new culinary traditions. Uh, new herb combinations, uh, uh, certainly lots of fun and good for us. Yeah. So diets can be pretty expensive. That's kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people will give a little well, pushback on that. Does the Walls Protocol break so, the bank? You so, 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 so. You know, people will say functional medicine is too expensive, mm-hmm. diets are too expensive. And I have to remind everyone that the people I, I took care of for 17 years were veterans, most of whom were living on food stamps, were disabled, and were not working. Mm-hmm. And uh, these folks, uh, we took care of without any fancy functional medicine tests. We just used some basic primary care tests. Uh, we did have to teach them how to cook because a lot mm-hmm. of folks have either forgotten mm-hmm. or never learned how to cook. Right. And we uh, used a lot of skillet meals. Uh, we uh, People uh, start out with conventional foods, sometimes canned foods. So we take them with where they're at. We teach them how to cook. And um, my vets figured out how to do this, living on food stamps. Mm-hmm. It certainly can be That's done. Beautiful. Sure. Uh, it, it's not easy, mm-hmm. but it begins with understanding that food is the bedrock of your health. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, and my vets taught me they were very creative folks. You know, they, uh, they went into gardening. Uh, foraging. Mm. Um, they also would go to um, uh, the farmer's market and mm-hmm. walk around uh, to the vendors and say, you know, at the end of the farmer's market, mm. what's the best price you can give me for everything that you have left? Smart. Very smart. And well, so, you know, they, they were able to get sure. fresh organic sometimes just fresh conventional food, very inexpensively. Yeah, that's great advice. And I've also heard you say, pay now or pay later, right? Yes. So it's pay now in good fresh food that's going to help you feel better or pay later in medical costs, potentially. So The key thing you have to do, though, you have to learn how to cook. Right. You're going to have to begin cooking the stuff at home. Yeah. But, but if, you, if you do it with skillet meals, mm-hmm. so everything you make it on the pot, or as I do with my um, pork tenderloin, all in one uh, big uh, roasting pan. Yeah. Uh, so it, it can be easy. Yeah. And quick cleanup and everything. Yes. 
Yeah. I love cooking. So I would just encourage everybody to, and then you know what the heck is going in. I mean, it's, you're not, it's, you're not guessing, you know, what's going in there and going into your body. So I think that's smart. Um, But to be clear, the diet portion of your protocol is just one component of your complete program. Right. right? It's just one component. Um, It's so that's, I want people to get the walls protocol. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about uh, my thinking on, on supplements it will talk about the many options you have for stress-reducing activities. Uh, it'll help give you some guidance to get started on some movement uh, activities. Yeah, that's uh, a way of thinking about uh, toxin exposure, mm-hmm. what you can do to reduce your toxins, mm-hmm. uh, and help your body uh, process and eliminate them more effectively. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that you um, suggest as part of your protocol is meditation. Mm-hmm. What type of, I mean, I know that that helps with reducing stress and anxiety and depression. What, what, I mean, how long every day do you practice? What type of meditation do you So in our um, clinical trials, we had people do a mantra-based meditation, uh, and we taught them how to uh, self-massage their hands and their face and their ears. And uh, we just said, um, just tell us how many minutes uh, a day you do this. Mm-hmm. So people did it, I'd say, between 5 and uh, 15 minutes in a total day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I know Transcendental really likes people to do it 20 minutes twice a day, and mm-hmm. yes, that is helpful. But if I become dogmatic as to how many minutes, mm-hmm. that becomes burdensome to people. Sure. So I'd much rather say a stress-reducing activity that you enjoy. Mm, uh, do it a couple times a day. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we talk about journaling, meditating, mindful eating, um, taking up some salts bath, just being in the garden, mm-hmm. uh, prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we give people, in my clinical practice, I give them lots of different options so they can find something that resonates with who they are. Fit into their schedule. That makes sense. And of course, physical activity, as you alluded to, exercise is important um, for all of us. What, what, what kind of activity do you do to stay active? Well, I actually, I I certainly do a lot. I, um, bike, Mm -hmm. swim, uh, free weights, uh, some yoga, um, uh, and then I have the mat exercises from my uh, physical therapist, mm-hmm. uh, and I take my dogs for a walk. Excellent. Uh, and you do something every single day, right? Correct. I, mm-hmm. It's extraordinarily rare that I, I miss uh, a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, some days uh, I have more time. Other days it may be a very short uh, stretching routine. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the habit of doing something every day Mm-hmm. is is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent advice. Um so you gave us a way to contact uh get in contact if they if people are interested in um potentially volunteering for your study, but if people just like to find out more about you and your program, how do they how would they find you? What's the best way to reach So you? if you'll go to uh, so uh, on social media, uh my Facebook page is Terry Walls MD. My Twitter account is uh, Terry Walls. My Instagram account is uh, Dr. Terry Walls. My website is terrywalls.com. 
And on my website, you would find um, uh, that we have a number of resources to support uh, people as they go on this journey. And so it, uh, we have some uh, low-cost uh, resources uh, to more and more intensive support. And, and we also have a, uh, a really big event, uh, a seminar that happens every August where we bring in speakers from all around the world. I, I'm teaching. Uh, we have folks who uh, are healthcare practitioners that are getting certified. Uh, so and we have all of that information uh, on terrywalls.com. Excellent. Well, Dr. Walls, thank you so much for sharing your personal story and for spending this time with us to help us understand your protocol. And and personally, let me just thank you for choosing to be the guinea pig and for helping this entire community to move forward to hopefully a cure. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you found value in this podcast, I invite you to go into iTunes, search for FUMS Now, and leave me a five-star review. Not only does that motivate me to create more free content, it also helps others just like you to find this valuable resource. Be sure to sign up for our free newsletter for more tips and tricks for living your best life with MS at FUMSnow.com. And if you have suggestions of future topics or guests for the show, please email me directly at Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, at F-U-M-S-N-O-W.com. I appreciate you spending this time with me. Until next time, remember to speak to this stupid disease like it deserves. Tell it F-U-M-S every day. Thank you.